Michelle Cassidy and Jonathan Carey are place team editors. They see every single entry that is put uh, into Atlas Obscura, and they're responsible for helping create this huge database. Hi, Michelle. Jonathan, hello. How are you? Hello, Dylan. I'm great. How are you? Hey, Dylan. How's it going? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. I am I am ready for both winter and this pandemic to be over. I am excited about spring. Uh, so in the last episode, I kind of gave you an assignment. It was about finding people who had made like an abrupt right turn in their life, who had sort of changed their whole life and decided to do something really different. I'm curious about what, what you guys, uh, what stories you kind of found that really resonated with you. There's a place outside of Guyang, China, called the Yalong Valley, and it has been totally transformed by this artist whose name is Song Pei Lun. Uh, he's been working on this for coming up on 30 years, and he has sort of taken what was an empty park and filled it with these incredible stone sculptures. They're sort of like mosaics, but made out of regular stone, and they're huge. There are these like many feet tall towers with figures on top of them. There's a big fish. And what I think is most interesting about the Yalong Valley is that Song Pei Lun, was an artist. He was a, a cartoonist for a long time, and he was a professor at a university. But in 1996, he quit his job and used his savings to start creating this place. He, he actually worked with a lot of um, sort of local artisans who are in that area. He had been inspired to do it after visiting the United States, and he went to the Crazy Horse Memorial in South Dakota. Have either of you guys seen that or been there? Years ago. I was really a kid. I was a kid. It's still, I think it's still unfinished. I think it may never be finished. I don't know. I'm not sure, but like, it's so, so big. Yeah, it's crazy. And I think you're right, Dylan. I think that it is still under construction, maybe forever. And that's what the Yalong Valley is too. It's this work that, you know, he's been He's been working on it for decades and plans to keep going for the rest of his life and, you know, maybe even inspiring people to take on the work after he dies and it sort of becomes a, a life of its own. It, it reminds me a little bit of a place in India called Nekchan Sani, which is, which is another sort of one of these giant sprawling sculpture gardens. That one was uh, done illegally, kind of done in secret. But it sounds like in this case, he purchased this land and kind of like, you know, he did this kind of uh, the, the legit way, I guess I would say. It's sort of a dedication to this ancient long gone settlement that I think was in Maybe not this exact valley that he had, but in that surrounding region. And he sort of built it out and, and purchased this land and built it up from what was sort of like rural, like forest and fields into this sort of like stone wonderland. You know, it has a kind of mystical look to it. He has a kind of mystical look to it. If, if him, if that was like a photo of him, he's like in all white with this like very long hair, bald on top. Like he looks kind of like like this mystical character. 
He does. Yeah. I've watched a couple interviews with him and like him taking people around this whole installation. And and he has this very like, you know, sort of quality about him that yeah, he he seems like he himself is a fantasy character. It's it's really incredible. Is there a meaning behind the the sculptures? Is there kind of something Yeah, so they're based on the few artifacts that are known from the Yolong tribes that lived in this area uh, around 2,000 years ago. I don't think very much is known about those tribes. It's just sort of scattered artifacts and bits and pieces. So it's inspired by that and just sort of bringing it in. But more than anything, it's this sort of way to remember the past and bring it into the present, even if it's sort of transformed. Jonathan, what about you? What what grabbed your attention in terms of people who've changed their lives radically? The valley reminded me of like this particular sculpture and this like strange, unique purchase um, of the sculpture that exists in Scotland. But this next person didn't make a purchase of like a large swath of land. It was a little bit more unusual. So (laughs) we are all familiar with Hercules, correct? The mythical hero? Yes, the Greek god, the son of Zeus. Uh, But I bet you all have never heard of Hercules the brown bear. So this is what this monument is dedicated to. It's dedicated to Hercules the brown bear. It's located in Outer Hebrides in Scotland, which is basically an island chain like just off the coast of Scotland. Uh, the statue stands about nine feet tall, so life-size, and it's down a dirt path, like off off a dirt road. But you, before you go, like right at the start of the path, you can see the sculpture like down in the distance, and it's like overlaid with trees. So it's almost like this is very like idyllic natural setting that's I would you would expect to see this type of sculpture in. Why is it there? Yeah, who is Hercules? I've gotta know. So basically, Hercules was a giant brown bear. He was born in captivity on the Scottish mainland, a town called King Usi. In 1975, he was purchased, um, which was basically legal at the time. Oh, wow. We're looking at a photo of this bear is, first off, gigantic. It's also kissing someone. (laughs) Yes, that is Andy Robin, who is a former Scottish wrestler, by the way, who purchased this bear for just under 50 pounds. But he raised this bear to be a performing bear. They train this bear basically to become like this kind of star, so to speak. But it was deeper than that because they treated this bear like family. I mean, you can see from the pictures here. <gasps> this is a bear sitting at a dinner table, eating, licking food out of a bowl like a giant, terrifying child. <laughs> You're showing me all these very sweet, adorable pictures and telling me about how he was a member <laughs> of the family. And Jonathan, I have to tell you, I'm so scared. <laughs> that the next thing that you're going to say is that he mauled his whole family. hundred <laughs> percent. I really hope that's not the case. I'm assuming because there's a statue of him that he did not lose it and maul his parents. It seems so awesome and really, really ill-advised at the same time. <laughs> it's very ill-advised. So, I mean, speaking of ill-advised, Dylan, that's kind of where our story takes a turn. Uh, Oh, no. In 1980, Hercules went missing. Huh. Uh, So while he was out, this is kind of funny, he was out filming a toilet tissue commercial um, in Hybrida, Scotland, when he escaped from the set of filming. Um, It basically led to a major search around, a search party operation around the entire area. 
because the area was very had a very booming livestock industry um, and a lot of sheep. In yeah, the area. man. So, <laughs> so oh, there was no. a big fear that Hercules was just gonna like wreak havoc on the island's livestock population. Reasonable, which is a reasonable expectation, considering this is probably like one of his first times actually like in the wild, so to speak, in that type of setting. Um, but really, after twenty four days, so that was quite a while. They found him, but. No sheep were harmed. He didn't kill a single animal. Huh. He didn't harm anything. Actually, he was just, I mean, he was Hercules. He lived in a lap of luxury. So he basically, you know, whatever he could find that was, he foraged basically the entire time, finding food that people left outside, going through garbage he cans. He just took a vacation. He, t- he had himself a little vac- a little walk around. <laughs> so he was eventually f- spotted by a crofter, like swimming in the river, and he was shot by a tranquilizer dart and basically taken back to his owner. Um, and you may think that, okay, there ends the story of Hercules, correct? Actually, the the mystique of Hercules grew from there. Um, it basically turned him into even more of a celebrity. I think it might have had something to do with him not eating sheep, but, uh, <laughs> but he became more of a celebrity and basically went on to star in even more commercials. In the end, you know, he retired around 1996. <laughs> he suffered a slip disc and could no longer Aww. perform. Um, so, you know, I was starting to listen to this. Like, Hercules had a lot of human problems, a lot of, like, real-world problems. Um, but unfortunately, he passed away in 2001. And this is kind of like a memorial to Hercules' legacy. I guess what made me, like, really so excited about this place and what really, like, got my juices going was that I really love those stories about uh, this kind of human animal interaction that goes beyond what we think human animal interactions can be. I feel like we need to give the like, you shouldn't live with a bear statement. But that being said, (laughs) it's nice to hear a story about someone living with a crazy wild animal and then not getting eaten by it. Like it's a little bit refreshing. Very true. And one more thing, I want to give a a big thank you to one of our our community members, Linko Gecko. He's like one of our like Great community members. He submits awesome places all the time. This is one of his and is one of my favorites that I came across in the last couple months. So thank you so much. Well, that was great, you guys. Thank you so much. I love both of those places are great. And the stories of the people behind them are really interesting. And I find all of these kinds of stories, you know, the the people dedicating their lives, whether it's you know, ill-advised or not, like to just doing something really interesting uh, to be really, really inspirational. So I really appreciated hearing these. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher.